Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. We have a new way you can support the family of Bugle shows, including The Gargle, which is this show. Go to thebuglepodcast.com and click on Donate. You'll see the usual options with Apple and one-off contributions, but we have upgraded the offer for our premium subscribers. Signing up to this will get you two Bugle family gifts per year, with the first being an exclusive limited edition episode of The Bugle on 12-inch vinyl. I shit you not, that is real and happening. All monthly donors will now also get an extra show each month. The initial idea, assuming it works, is a show called Ask Andy, and it involves Andy Zaltzman and you asking him your questions and him answering your questions. Signing up to either the Apple or Premium subscriber offerings will give you this show ad-free, except obviously the half a glass of water ads, that's a contract that I will never get out of, it is signed in blood, and water. If you are already a Premium donor or regular donor who doesn't want to change how they donate, you don't need to do anything. Thank you for your continuing generosity in keeping the gargle going. We could not exist without your support. We are paid by and through the Bugle family and uh, it has kept me alive through some hard times, so I really appreciate your support. This is a podcast from The Bugle. Duncan MacLeod was born 400 years ago in the highlands of Scotland. He is immortal, and he is not alone. For centuries, they've waited for the time of the gathering when the stroke of a sword will release the power of the quickening. In the end, there can be only one. And that one is The Gargle. This is The Gargle, the sonic glossy magazine to the Bugle's audio newspaper for a visual world. I'm your host, Alice Fraser, and your guest editors for this week's edition of the magazine are Alison Spittle. Hey, boo, boo, boo. And uh, James Colley. G'day. I know you very well, James. I've known you for many, many years, and yet mm-hmm. I looked at your Zoom profile picture and it says Zoom user, and I nearly said Zoom user. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to advertise the brand I'm on, you know. I, I like to give support to Zoom the way Zoom supports me. Before we uh, put our hands on each other's hips and do that weird funny dance in a line that is this week's top stories, let's have a look at the front cover. The 
front cover this week is Russell Bland, Russell Brand's non-evil twin brother, with a tell-all expose on all of the ins and outs of his job wholesaling staple sharpeners. Subheadline is a comment section that won't make you feel sick. <laughs> I just, I look, I don't want to get too political too early, but I just feel bad for all the kids who had already brought their pirate costumes for Halloween because, like, it's going to be very hard to prove now that you're definitely a pirate. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's, it's a terrible thing for the uh, guy liner sales industry. You know, all of the men who wear eyeliner, like we've lost Johnny Depp, we've lost Russell Brand. <laughs> who would have known? Maybe he's born with it. Maybe he needs to look at himself and reform his actions. <laughs> The satirical cartoon this week is this statement in full from Lisa Branken, the Ford UK chair, uh, the chairman of the car company Ford, who said three years ago the government announced the UK's transition to electric new car and van sales from 2030. The audio industry is investing to meet that challenge. This is the biggest industry transformation over a century, and the UK 2030 target is a vital catalyst to accelerate Ford into a cleaner future. Our business needs three things from the UK government, ambition, commitment, and consistency. A relaxation of 2030 would undermine all three. So you know the Tory government has f***ed up on the environment issue when well-known car company Ford tells you to pull your f***ing socks back up. Our top story this week is fossil licking news. The Ig Nobel Prizes are out this year. One of our favourite times of the year here at the Gargle. The the research in, in, into improbable things that make people laugh and then think, according to the website, uh, came out this week. And some excellent research here. James Colley, you're our science correspondent. Can you unpack this story for us? Of course I can. So the Ig Nobel Prize is Gargle Christmas. It is the biggest story of the year. Uh, so the winners are out of the for this year. You might remember, so the Nobel Prize, just for differentiation, the Nobel Prize was started by the inventor of dynamite to assuage his guilt for creating such destruction. The Ig Nobel Prize <laughs> is an award for people who have blown up their own scientific credibility and want to still feel good about themselves. So... There's a bunch. So like the Nobel Prizes, there's a whole list that come out from this. There is the um, the team that found anticipating boredom induces boredom in lecture attendees, which I'm certain was also a boring presentation to reveal. Uh, there was <laughs> a group that studied how passersby stop and look up when they see other people on the street doing so, which is a real, okay, I've got my presentation at 8am. I have not come up with anything between here and there. It's the comedian equivalent of a funny thing happened on the way to the gig (laughs) some science happened on the walk here that you all have to know about (laughs) a group that developed a smart toilet which a smart enough toilet would categorize itself as a sink firstly no toilet (laughs) that's that smart is staying as a toilet (laughs) there's a team that counted hairs in cadavers noses which they claim were science and not just perversion Uh, but the one that really came through for us was the winner in chemistry and geology for the work in eating fossils now the idea here is that you can learn a lot from licking a rock and when the second this came up and i saw that allison was on this week i'm like great we have got our official expert in having conductive <laughs> products in your mouth you are here to exactly know so i don't want to step on any of your learnings here i'm going to leave this part of the experiment to the experts all i will say about the ignobles is it is so interesting to see all the amazing things scientists can 
can now do now that they have the spare time after solving climate change. So as soon as you got climate change fixed, like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting a note. Let me just Google something. Oh my God. Oh my God. How are we doing this? <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's not even cancer. No cure for cancer yet. Diabetes, nothing. And they're like, we need to count the amount of hairs in a, in a cadaver's nose. It's crazy. I mean, imagine as well being the, like my grandmother, when she died, she donated her body to science. And it was like a real, um, it was a real noble thing that she did. But I would be so pissed if that's what she donated her body towards. Them just counting her hairs. <laughs> you want something. You want something real big. I, I mean, yeah? I imagine you can reuse the cadaver. It's not like, oh well, I can't use this one for other research. It's already had its nose hairs counted. That <laughs> one's finished. Put it in the bin. Straight pretty... in the bin. Go on. But how do you research cancer if the nose hairs are gone? You know what I mean. <laughs> Number one. Um, yeah, it's such a. Um, it is nice that like you know science is such a, a wide field, and we do get to have people be a bit silly it is like stand-up comedy in a way you know uh some people like to do jokes about uh real things like sexual assault or whatever uh, i like to put batteries in my mouth oh i do both but like you know, <laughs> not at the same time though uh, but, no. <laughs> but uh yeah it's, it's it's this ignoble prize is a fantastic thing but I mean, really the premise of the licking it. of the fossils is that you can bring out the texture of the minerals by wetting it. And uh, when you're in the field, presumably um, it's too much trouble to go for your water bottle, so you can just go... <laughs> um, but the idea is that eventually, if you've been doing this for long enough in order to, to see the fossil, you'll start to develop a taste for the kinds mm. of minerals involved and that, that extremely experienced uh, fossil researchers will be able to tell you what a rock is by licking it. Um, wow. Which is probably the worst party trick. <laughs> it's also like the journey you have to, like you have started a marathon you don't want to complete here because I'm sure if you licked anything at your work, you'd be, we are professional writers. We could lick every pen and eventually we'd be very good at being like, well, that's a blue, that's a black, that's a red. It doesn't mean it's worth the journey. <laughs> I think it's like it's more just a, a tragic sign of where science funding is at in our community now that geologists are forced to lick rocks just to get through the lunch break. I think just like cost of living is very high. There's nothing else to do. They're out in the desert. There's there's not a Tesco's about. I've Britished up that joke for you people. I don't nice. know what a Tesco's really is. I have vague context clues of what a Tesco's is. I presume they're not near rocky outcrops. So you are forced <laughs> to lick a rock. It's like it's like a Coles Metro with about half the number of things on the shelves because of shortages, basically. <laughs> oh. Do you think these geologists who lick the fossils are just the geologists who refuse to work for fossil fuel industries? And these are the only <laughs> jobs that they have. And they're like, no, we're going to be moral people here and we're going to lick fossils. Do you think someone was caught sucking off a dinosaur and had like seven seconds to make an excuse? <laughs> Genuinely, which which type of dinosaur? I go for like Stegosaurus or something. I'd say Triceratops. Get your money's worth. Yeah, <laughs> well, three of them. <laughs> your ad section now, because you can't be what you can't buy. 
And this episode of the podcast is brought to you by the toothbrush. The toothbrush. Wipe away your mouth sins. All you need is some teeth, a mouth, some sort of an abrasive that aids in removing dental plaque and food from the teeth, assists in suppressing halitosis and delivers active ingredients, most commonly fluoride, to help prevent tooth decay and gum disease. Also, half a glass of water. Have you been sucking off a dinosaur? Well, clean out those mouth sins with a toothbrush. Also, use that brush to clean off the dirt from the dinosaur bones instead of your filthy, filthy tongue. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's it's sort of also one of those things where you're laying a trap for future archaeologists who are going to be like, all dinosaurs were covered in spit. I mean, it's going, to be, it's going to make DNA research a lot harder. Uh, the fact is, the economy we're all neck deep in perpetuating is a nightmare, and the days of working your way up through the ranks of a company which is as loyal to you as you are to it seem as pleasingly romantic and feudal as the romantic or feudal periods. <laughs> You've also looked for way longer than you'd ever admit to conservative friends at ads for nude modelling because they look quite lucrative, and the only reason you haven't sent in your CV is that they've asked for a CV, and really being rejected for nude modelling on the strength of your CV would be more heartbreaking than the time your beloved grand grandmother told you digital design sounded like a made-up job for fairies and you found out either your grandmother hates digital design or is a homophobe or that your beloved grandmother believes in fairies but thinks they're second-class citizens. Hmm. All that said, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by running a black market human fighting ring. Let's be fair. It's neither more unethical nor more dehumanising than 80% of available jobs right now. Running a black market human fighting ring. Call us and discover your options today. And a new novel is out by self-published romance maven and online bestseller, Dancy Lagarde. Balls in the Air is a modern contemporary romance with a sports team drama twist. Joe's a big leagues player in the Chicago Animals. He's got the best arm in the business and the best bottom too. But his public persona is a care-nothing playboy, is a well-manicured illusion hiding beneath it a man who just wants to be the best he he can be. They've just won the finals, so why does he feel so empty inside? Sienna is a local Chicago nursing student working as a bar girl to make ends meet. She's just found out her fiancé is cheating on her and is out for a rebound fling. When Joe rescues Sienna from a sexually aggressive umpire on his team's night out, they fall into each other's arms for what each of them thinks is a no-strings-attached flings, but somehow the meaningless sex is the most meaningful sex either of them has ever had. (laughs) And they are both shaken to discover that the next day they want to spend the day together going to art galleries and having breakfast in each other's T-shirts. (laughs) Soon, Joe must find a date to the awards ceremony and Sienna needs a revenge boyfriend for her cousin's upcoming wedding and they agree to pretend to be going out in a way that would be totally acceptable to everyone, including themselves, if it were real. But it isn't. But is it? But it isn't. But it is. But could it be? Find out in Balls in the Air, available now in all catchers' mitts. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Art news now, and this is the news of a cursed painting uh, that has been sold at a premium basically because it was returned and the premise is that it's cursed and some people just... I mean, it's an odd person to be, to be the person that believes enough in a curse to pay more for a cursed painting, but not enough cur- in a curse to be worried that you're buying a cursed <laughs> painting. That's so true. Uh, <laughs> Alison Spittle, you're our art correspondent. Could you unpack this story for us? Yeah, so this was a painting. It's a, to, to give the podcast listener the, the theatre of the mind... Uh, basically this painting is of like a, a pretty a pretty little girl in like a red kind of shirt um with a, she looks a bit like Kira Knightley I think that that would be the best description but if Kira Knightley was a cursed painting and uh, that's that's what it's like um, I mean I know um, um so this is this is a painting that's been returned twice to a charity shop and uh, it had someone someone had a very clever idea of putting a little sticker on it to say that like this is cursed and uh, oh it goes she's back sold twice and returned twice are you brave enough which is an incredible piece of marketing and I think like McDonald's should do this for their next like new burger and call it like <laughs> cursed burger are you brave enough so many have died when it's just botulism <laughs> you know it's a great way of, uh, of repainting a disaster um, so this yeah so this is a uh, this lady called Zoe Elliott Brown she was the last person to buy it out of this uh, charity shop and she sold it for let's see how much 1,680 quid in an online auction and she's giving half the money to Hastings Advice and Representation Centre which is the which is the uh, which is the charity shop so yeah let's talk about this it's such a weird story because um, do you, looking at the poster like or looking at the picture do you do you think it's cursed I feel oh like... yeah, it's chock a block with ghosts. Oh, this this has ghosts out the bloody wazoo. This thing, I hate this child. I hate everything <laughs> about this painting. I think the eyes are going to move on me. I I do not care for her one bit. I think if I looked away and looked back, I would be in the painting and she would be here. I do not care for this painting. I will bring it back a third time. That's how Kira Knightley got her first job. Like some <laughs> some executive looked in and she came out and said, "I star your film," and um, yeah, it's so it's so like art is so subjective. And I lived in a shared house that had this old piece of art uh, from many many tenants ago, and it was of this woman who was dipping her very very long toes into some water oh, no. like they oh, were no. extremely long <laughs> now looking back uh, i think whoever painted this quite into feet but like i <laughs> the quentin tarantino of of brushwork <laughs> exactly exactly but i was uh, i still that's the one piece of art i still remember and it's i think it's because i think it was cursed and i was too afraid <laughs> to move it I was too afraid to move it from its place. Because the toes were following you around the room. Absolutely, those toes could go around corners. They could, like, <laughs> you know. This is this is how we get people back into art galleries. You have the boring classic section, but you have it advertised as 
everyone who painted these pictures has now died. (laughs) Now it's time for your reviews. As you know, each week we ask our guest editors to bring in something to review out of five stars. Uh, James Colley, what have you brought in for us this week? This week I am reviewing Summer which should be difficult because it is September, which in Australia for years now has been spring. But it is very much not spring. It is 35 degrees yesterday, 36 today. It is continuing on that way. Uh, It is, do you know how like in in kids' films, they're always like, this is going to be the summer that lasts forever. Well, that sucks. That's extremely bad. I would have to say, (laughs) don't, don't do it. It's not, it's not a good time. It is really, do you know what? Here's what happens. Here is, here is what you have. reverse Narnia. (laughs) Here's what you have to look forward to. What happens is you're like, you walk out and you go, oh my God. This is a beautiful day. This is perfect weather. What a lucky boy I am to live in such a place. And then you realize it is 6.30 a.m. and it's going to get hotter from here. And the world (laughs) is irrevocably broken. So zero stars to summer. (laughs) Zero stars to summer and zero stars because of the light pollution created uh, (laughs) in significant part by Starlink. What fun. Uh, Alison, what have you brought in for us? So I've brought in, uh, well, another thing that I put into my mouth and it's a, a packet of crisps from Ireland called Banshee Bones, which... Um... <laughs> oh, speaking of cursed. <laughs> I know! <laughs> these are the ultimate cursed crisps. Um, I've had these as a child and uh, uh, if you don't know what a banshee is, I'll describe it for you now. It's like a, uh, it is a ghost woman that if you hear... It means that a cousin or some other relative of that equivalency will die um, within the next few days. Or if you see her, that means you're going to die. And I remember once I was about and if 15... you eat her? <laughs> <laughs> then she <laughs> dies. <laughs> and, and that's why I'm giving it five out of five. It's the curse. <laughs> I've broken the curse. As someone who like... I don't I don't know my cousins like I have cousins in the world but I don't we didn't really interact with them I don't know my cousins just really not a threat to me if it happens about oh yeah <laughs> somewhere out there that's someone else's problem yeah. you're like shit to be my uncle but I'm okay you know <laughs> um like banshees I remember like when I was a kid I was about 15 and I was walking down the the uh, a, a a small road of my friend Donna and I heard what I, like, like this screaming sound. It was like, hey, hey. And me and Dan are about 15. We were walking home from a Darius concert and we both looked at each other and we went, Banshee, run. So I ran as fast as I could, but the faster I ran, the louder the Banshee got behind me. And I was so scared that I threw myself into a ditch and I said, take me, Banshee, take me. Because at 15, I was ready to die rather than run. And uh, <laughs> the noise had stopped. And I realized that what I thought was the sound of a Banshee was actually the sound of wind blowing through my hoop earrings at the time. <laughs> is, uh, the, the scariest Irish ghost story you'll ever hear in your life. <laughs> so five out of five. Five out of five for the Banshee Bones. 
now it is time for our cyber attack news. Glamorous cyber attack. People in black tippy-tapping on keys in the middle of a, a metal room, apparently. Uh, this is the news that ransomware Alf V, also known as Black Cat, is reportedly behind a cyber attack that shut down MGM Grand Casinos on Monday. Uh, Alison, you love mm. rolling the dice. Can you unpack this story for us? Oh, this was like a Hollywood film. So basically, this whole uh, the whole MGM Grand system was taken down by a 10-minute phone call. So they were able to... So basically, they got a little bit of information about uh, an employee from LinkedIn rang up the help desk, asked for that employee, and within 10 minutes was able to bring down the whole uh, MGM Grand's computer systems, which for me was like a weird comfort that like AI still has no match for being polite. You know, being a polite <laughs> human is going to get you a lot more than AI. Um, so the comp- <laughs> so like th- this company was valued at like three, look, this is how long, th- is it? Trillion is a three three nine zero zero, and then a zero zero, and then another zero zero. What's that in words? I believe that's thirty three billion. It's a lot. It's a lot of money, and they were taken down by a ten minute conversation. Um, and yet yeah, they they took immediate steps to secure its systems after receiving outage reports. And they and by the way, MGM Grand are kind of they're doing the thing the Irish people do, which is going, it's grand, leave it, it's fine. So, uh, like, yeah, so the, the FBI are aware of the incident. But it's just it's just a crazy thing. Now, they say, what's the name of the organisation? It's Black Caps is the organisation that have taken, uh, taken responsibility for this. Um, and I didn't know this, but there's quite a lot of, um, there's a quite a lot of computer hackers that steal money from casinos. Uh, like the last there's a company called Lazarus which is so such a cool name by the way mm. for any for any uh, computer hacker company and they stole 41 million in virtual currency from uh, from stake.com so it happens I'm just uh, yeah it's a... apparently yeah. the casinos are a great place to attack uh, for which I blame entirely George Clooney <laughs> <laughs> so, also the fact that like it's kind of a victimless crime because casinos are immoral holes for ruining people's lives and I'm not going to be worried at all if someone steals all of their money but my favourite recent uh, casino hack was the one where hackers used a fish tank to hack a North American casino by using the sensors that were connected to an internal PC that regulated the tank's temperature of food and cleanliness but was also connected to all the other systems (gasps) in the casino That's incredible Uh, Which I think is great I reckon the fish was in on it I think like that's a very suspicious <laughs> fish that the fish only started working at casino like a month beforehand. Highly recommended by a friend. Oh god! If you're doing a Hollywood remake of that film, you just have some guy in a trilby hat just tapping the fish tank, going like shooting fish in a fish tank. You know what I mean? It'd be amazing. Joe Pesci smashing the glass of the fish tank that's now empty after the fish is off in the ocean with a bag of money. <laughs> amazing! That would be incredible. That would genuinely. We got be our demolition guy we got our getaway driver we got our fish yeah. we got all the things we need for a successful casino heist now this fish is the best in the business the only problem is his memory is three seconds so every three seconds someone has to explain the plan to him one more time I mean, to be fair, isn't that the structure of every heist movie is just <laughs> treating the audience like they're the fish and explaining to them exactly what's happening every time that's so true that's so <laughs> 
I was thinking about what was the actual phone call like. This was a 10 minute phone call. Um, through my kind of experience of breaking the law with phones, uh, maybe the conversation <laughs> went a bit like this. Um, hello, uh, MGM Grant. Hello, I just want to know, is your casino running? And they go, <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, you better go look for it. That, that, that would be the tip top phone crime of my I just, life. I just love the idea that at some point MGM had to admit to this and the universal reaction has been like, oh, did someone make a bad choice and end up losing a bunch of money? Oh, didn't. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, also, a 10-minute phone conversation in the context of the modern world is genuinely stressful. I assume <laughs> that on the heist team they had a boomer because this is not a millennial crime. This is... What you need is, you know, your mum to give them a call yeah. and tell them what how she feels about the washing machine settings. Yeah, if, if this was a millennial situation, you'd receive a text that just says, M outside the safe. <laughs> Eggplant emoji. <laughs> And that's all the time we have for our casino news because now it's time to people making up things in stand-up mm. news. Uh, the extremely lucky Hassan Minaj has has had his scandal wiped out by more disgusting scandals this week. Uh, but we're going to unpack this story a little bit. Uh, James Colley, you've made up most of your life. Can you unpack this story for us? Oh, I actually was just on the way to the gig when I heard this story. Uh, <laughs> Hassan Minaj uh, is, is a comedian, a very good comedian, and a, a comedian I very much like, but um, who a lot of his act is very autobiographical. This is not, it's not one of those acts where you're like, hang on a second, half of this chat is you talking with a squid, but squids don't talk. It's He's mm -hmm. telling autobiographical stories from his life where details seem to have been exaggerated or completely fabricated, and with real world consequences with things like various um iterations of a story he told about a prom date rejecting him on the night of the prom they're being disputed uh like recounts of this from the date saying this actually conversation happened beforehand he didn't show up with a corsage and also he put my photo up and told people i was a racist and that did not go well for me when that came out like so um it's not just comedians make things up all the time they do things like yeah i'm sober or consensual ah. things that comedians <laughs> always make up but like they this is a particular one because your act is on authenticity and i would say with Hassan, there's there's these horrible mired like uh, uh, problems with as well of like um, often you're trying to speak to a bigger problem in this case or blah 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 all the stuff boring caveats that I'm sure anyone intelligent enough to listen can do in their own head. What I want to get to out of this is this has been a banner week for stand up comedy comedy in general and. I realize I am saying this on a record with a bunch of stand-up comedians, but are we sure this is worth the effort? Are we certain we should still be doing this? Like, if like every four months we found out one juggler was a fraud and another was a sex pest, and I know that's a bad example because I'm certain if I looked into it, one in every five jugglers is a sex pest, and I am being generous to four out of every five jugglers who are just pervs. But if that were the case, we would say, hey, maybe don't juggle for a few weeks. Maybe we should work out what's going on in the juggling community and perhaps install a HR department in the juggling community but comedians don't do that because we are incapable of keeping as many balls in the air as the juggling community we can't focus on <laughs> as many things at the same time but all I'm saying is are we certain it is 
worth it for what is a paltry 50 minutes in an overheated Edinburgh cavern? Are we certain mm. that the actions are worth the results? Well, if you see my show Twist from this year, you'll uh, find out <laughs> that I think the answer is no. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a tricky one because we've all, we've all, you know, I've, I've got a story where uh, one of the villains in my show is called Dave and he's, uh, he's a composition of about five different men that I know, uh, three of whose names were coincidentally Dave. So I thought <laughs> I'm going to call this character Dave. And then two of the five men contacted me later to say that their feelings had been hurt. And I was like, it's not you but it's also not not you so I don't really know how to react it's interesting because like I do stand-up comedy about like real experiences and stuff and I realized that like you have to make changes in order for the audience to find it more palatable even though it's not the truth do you mm. know what I mean like I did some stuff about being robbed and when I talked about having a knife like the the person who robbed me ha- had a knife the audience just refused to laugh at anything else like that I did in the show because they wanted to focus on that one detail and I but the difference with Hassan Minaj is like I feel sorry for him because he says there is an emotional truth to it and I'm sure he has been rejected at some point like over his race I'm sure like he wouldn't I I maybe I think too much of him but I'm just like I I wouldn't feel, feel that he'd make it up I'm sure he felt at one point that his daughter was in was in danger in direct danger because of the type of comedy that he does and obviously like he's d- done this story in like such a dramatic silly way that that could that could absolutely be verified and it's just a a weird thing sorry to get all serious about it but. no i i feel so i have a very bizarre version of this problem which is i like doing stand-up show do autobiographical stories but i'm mostly mm. telling low risk like big stories from my childhood but my high school friends love to come to every show and then sit me down after the show and go over where i lied and it's a really Absolutely. interesting my like, friends do that post-show too. factor and like look i lie because you're not that interesting what i needed in the situation <laughs> that we were in was a professional comedian to finish the story in a way that would really sell to an audience this is on you i'm lying because you didn't deliver in reality that's I mean, amazing. James, when you next put out a special, please can that be the DVD bonus? Is you just sitting around with your high school <laughs> friends having them correct all of the facts? <laughs> that would be great. There is I'd actually an Australian, legendary Australian comedian, Tom Gleason, who Alice would know well, but an uh, uh, adored comedian here who has a regular feature in his comedy festival shows, which is he will finish his show and he will say, Now there were three lies in the last hour. Who wants to guess what they were? And it wow. is a beautiful yearly end to his show where you get to and then when you've been to a few you spend the whole time being like i don't think he really sold a washing machine on gumtree or whatever his story <laughs> is but it adds an extra game to the show it's such a good conceit oh uh, look i got a confession guys um i never actually put batteries in my mouth no! Um, what this I call is over. I... This is out. No, sorry. <laughs> what I did was I put uh, one of those uh, uh, large windmills that make electricity, but it didn't seem relatable. So I wanted to be relatable to the gargle crowd. But I was like, what can I fit in my mouth? And I was like, well, a battery. And uh, so, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did put a battery in my mouth. I promise you I did. I <laughs> I, you know, look, I'm going to believe in the emotional truth that I want to believe in here. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. Not only did you put a battery in your mouth, you often have batteries in your mouth in my head. <laughs> You're spitting batteries out right now. Genuinely, the biggest feedback I get off people is batteries in my mouth, Shrek or soup. Like those are the three <laughs> things that people think of very much. And I'm into them all, baby. You know? <laughs> yeah, I feel like the problem with the central problem with the Hassan Minaj story is that everybody knows that uh, comedians make some stuff up, but mm-hmm. it's at what point is it too much? At what point uh, do we uh, sort of give up our suspension of disbelief? At what point do we agree that it's fictional? But you also have to understand this is in a country, uh, America, mm. where despite all of the evidence, they still insist that they're number one. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel sorry for him, but like there is a part of me that's gone. Uh, there is, an, I wonder if he'll just do a second draft up now on things that are his emotional truth, and go. Is there any other examples from my life that I can bring that's actually real to 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 make a point that I want to make? You know what I mean? I think it's a good time for all American comedians to reassess their action. I would like to see Jeff Foxworthy to say, you might be a redneck if your gun rack has a gun rack, but also you might just be very organized and you might need a second gun rack for your gun rack. I want to hear the full disclaimer. All right, that brings us to the end of the show. I'm flipping through the ads at the back. Alison Spittle, have you got anything to plug? Um, I got a tour coming up, but it won't be for ages, but it's called Soup, and you can go enjoy that. If you're in Ireland, go on the Virgin Media Player. I'm going to be on Celebrity Gogglebox with Kerry Katona, which is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) James, Collie, have you got anything to plug? Yeah, uh, if you are in Australia and you love a rom-com, I have a novel on sale now. It's called The Next Big Thing. It's a little rom-com about big things in Australia. I think you'll really enjoy it. If you are an international audience, um, if you go to small independent bookstores and you threaten them, they will find a way to bring it into your country. (laughs) But for now, it's pre-orders in Australia, so please go on and do that because weirdly it matters. Weirdly pre-orders matter. You can't just have a book for sale and people buy it you have to buy it before it's for sale and that's how we do this industry yes it is an extremely odd thing pre-sales do make a massive difference which is why i say that for me you should also go to unbound.com and find <laughs> alice fraser find the dancy lagarde reader and pre-order that for your friends family and uh, fr- frenemies also if you happen to be a romance novelist a uh, romance writer or in like the romance community like with a podcast or a convention or something hit me up because i'd love to tell you why <laughs> Why? I love this shit. Uh, thank you to our roving reporters, PK, who sent in Fossil Licking and the Casino st- Cyber Attack story, as, and Robert Wells, who sent in the Cursed Painting story. If you would like to be a roving reporter for The Gargle, tweet us at Hello Gargler's on that particular app while it lasts. I'm Alice Fraser. You can find me online at patreon.com slash Alice Fraser, where we do weekly writers meetings and uh, uh, chatty meetings um, for a dollar a month. And this is a Bugle podcast and Alice Fraser production. Your editor is Ped Hunter. Your executive producer is Chris Skinner. I'll talk to you again next week. You can listen to other programs from The Bugle, including The Bugle, Catharsis, Tiny Revolutions, Top Stories and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. 
Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.